So we're going to be in verses 13 to 23 in Romans chapter 14, verses 13 to 23 is where we're going to be. Now, before I start, um, verse 12 says, we will all, every man will himself appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Everybody will himself appear before the judgment seat of Christ in verse 12. And then he says, therefore, and we always say, whenever you say, see, therefore, you ask yourself, what is it therefore? So this is continuing off of verse 12. Every man himself will stand before God is basically what he says. So as a result of that, therefore, since we're all going to stand individually before God ourselves, therefore, let us no longer criticize one another. Instead, decide never to put a stumbling block or pitfall in your brother's way. I know and am persuaded by the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself. Still, to someone who considers a thing to be unclean, to that one, it is unclean. For if your brother is hurt by what you eat, you are no longer walking according to love. Do not destroy that one Christ died for by what you eat. Therefore, do not let your good be slandered. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Whoever serves Christ in this way is acceptable to God and approved by men. All right, that's verses 13 to 15. We're going to go to verse 23, but we're going to break these verses down. Verses 13 to 15. Therefore, since we're all going to stand individually before God, therefore, let us no longer criticize one another, he says. And that means to pass judgment on. And we're talking about things that are secondary uh, in, in our walk with God, things that Christians uh, debate over and decide, not, not, not uh, primary things, but secondary things. And we'll talk about maybe what some of those things are. But that's what he's talking about here. Do not pass judgment on one another. Um, instead, decide never to put a stumbling block or a pitfall in your brother's way. So instead of judging him, you decide to not put a stumbling block in front of him. In, verses, in verse 3 of chapter 14, it says it uses the word criticize. And in verse 10 in chapter 14, it uses the word criticize, but it uses negatively. And it's the same Greek word here, criticize, that uses decide. And it's negative in verses 10 and 13, and also in the first part of verse, verse 13, let us not criticize. But in, in uh, 13b, the second part, it says, instead, decide never to put a stumbling block or a pitfall in your brother's way. In other words, don't do anything that's going to cause your brother or sister to, to stumble or to fall. He says, make a careful decision that you don't do that. And that's what he's talking about. A stumbling block, the Greek word is scandalon, and it's a trap or a snare. Something that becomes a hindrance to others and causes them to fall by the wayside. Don't put anything, don't put any trap or snare in your brother or sister's way that will become a hindrance to them and cause them to fall by the wayside. A trap or a snare. When you think about a, a trap or a snare, it's something we do that with, with, for mice. Because it's called a mouse trap. You put it out to catch them. That's what it's for. Or a snare is to catch something. And he says, don't do that with your brother or sister. Or a pitfall, which is an obstacle which causes somebody to stumble. Don't put something in their way that you know they're going to fall over. He says, make a careful decision not to do that as a believer. He says, I know and am persuaded by the Lord. He says, Paul says, first of all, he says, I know. He didn't say, we know. He says, I know and am persuaded. So he's not making this uh, uh, a thing for everybody. He says, I know, Paul know and am persuaded in myself 
that nothing is unclean in and of itself. So first of all, you have to know yourself um, that nothing is unclean in and of itself. And then he said, once you know, then you're persuaded. See, knowledge comes first and then persuasion, but you need both. You have to know and then you're persuaded by what you know. That makes sense? So knowledge, he said, I know and am persuaded that nothing is unclean in and of itself. He said, he said, I'm persuaded by the Lord Jesus. He said, I got this from God himself, that nothing is unclean in and of itself. In verse 15, he says, uh, still to someone who considers a thing to be unclean, to that one it is unclean. You have to consider other people's thoughts and feelings. It may be unclean, clean, nothing unclean in itself to you. He said to someone considers a, t- a thing to be unclean, it's unclean to them, even if they're wrong about it. And you have to, we have to consider that. He says, I know and am persuaded by the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in and of itself. Uh, under the old covenant laws, they had food laws under the old covenant. Verse 15, for if, you, if your brother is hurt by what you eat, so he's talking about food. If your brother is hurt by what you eat, he's talking about food laws. And under the old, the, under the old covenant, there were certain food, foods that the Jews were not allowed to eat. Uh, pork, certain types of animals, and all this thing. So in Christ Jesus, all of that has been lifted. Those were dietary laws that were for Israel only in the Old Testament. They are lifted in the New Testament. And Paul knows that. And that's why he says, I, am, I know and am persuaded by the Lord Jesus that nothing is in unclean of itself. Those were considered unclean foods to the Jews, to the Israel. So our conscience can't be commanded. It must be persuaded. Our conscience can't be commanded. It must be persuaded by the Spirit and by the Word. And when it's persuaded, then your walk becomes natural and happy to you. It wasn't forced. Sometimes non-moral issues can become moral issues if it destroys fellowship with believers or the church witness. So even though it's not a moral issue, it can become one if it becomes a stumbling block to a brother or a sister. So Paul says, I am persuaded, persuaded by the Lord Jesus. Where did he get that from? Matthew chapter 15. Before I go there, I'm, before I go there, I'm going to read uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 8. He says, about eating food offered to idols. So this is Paul writing. Okay, they had written to him about certain issues. And one of them was food being offered to idols. And he says, about eating food offered to idols then. We know that an idol is nothing in the world, and there is no God but one. So he's saying, there's really no such thing as an idol. There's only one God. There's no such thing as an idol. There's only one God. He said, for even if there are so-called gods, listen to the language he he uses, so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, earth, as there are many, quote-unquote, gods, small g, and many lords. Yet for us, believers, there is one God, the Father. All things are from him, and we exist for him. And there is one Lord Jesus Christ. All things are through him, and we exist through him. However, not everyone has this knowledge. Did you hear that? He said everybody doesn't know that. Everybody doesn't know there's only one God. Some people are polytheistic in their religion. They believe there's many gods. Hinduism, for one, is one. He said, everybody doesn't know there's only one God. He said, however, everybody doesn't have this knowledge. In fact, some have been so used to idolatry up until now that when they eat food offered to an idol, their conscience, being weak, is defiled. Because of the world they came from, they were idol worshipers, and the meat that was, they offered meat to idols. He said, they're, they're so used to that, even now that they became believers. 
They've been so used to idolatry up until now that when they eat food offered to an idol, their conscience being weak is defiled. Notice that he said the conscience is weak. It's defiled. Verse 8, food will not make us acceptable to God. We are not inferior if we don't eat, and we are not better if we do eat. Food is nothing. It's amoral. But be careful that this right of yours, listen, in no way becomes a stumbling block. There, that word again, that phrase again, to the weak. Be careful that this right of yours, see, whatever you want, doesn't become a stumbling block to somebody whose conscience is weak. We are not inferior if we don't eat, and we are not better if we do eat, but be careful that this right of yours in no way becomes a stumbling block to the weak. For if someone sees you, the one who has this knowledge that I'm free to eat, dining in an idol's temple, won't his weak conscience be encouraged to eat food offered to an idol? He'll be encouraged to go back to his old way of living and eat a food that's offered to an idol, and in his mind, he doesn't think that's right. But if he sees you doing it, he's going to do it. And Paul says that's wrong. Then the weak person, the brother for whom Christ died, and notice he makes that point. The weak brother, the one who Jesus died for, just like he died for you, he died for his weak brother too. He said, notice then that the weak person, the one, the brother for whom Christ died, is ruined by your knowledge. He's marred spiritually by your knowledge. Now, when you sin, listen, he called that a sin. He says, when you sin like this against the brothers and wound their weak conscience, listen, you are sinning against Christ. Wow. When you do that, without regard to your brother or your sister, you're sinning against not only him, but you're also sinning against God himself. Therefore, if food causes my brother to fall, I will never again eat meat so that I won't cause my brother to fall. He said, if my brother's going to be offended by me eating a pork chop sandwich, I won't eat it. (laughs) As much as I love pork chops, (laughs) I won't eat a pepperoni pizza in his presence. Because my love for him is, is greater than my love for food. That's the point. That's the point. Acts chapter 10, Matthew chapter 11. He said, from the Lord. This is what Jesus is talking. It's not what goes into the mouth that defiles a man, but what comes out of the mouth that defiles a man. So me eating food is not defiling me. And that's why Paul said, I got this from, from Jesus himself. Nothing is unclean in and of itself. That's what Jesus is saying here. It's not what goes into the mouth that defiles a man, but one comes out of the mouth that defiles a man. Not what you eat, but what you say can defile you. How you talk, how you speak, what you say can defile you. Not the sandwich. Acts chapter 10. Now this is uh, uh, Peter's vision. The next day, as they were traveling and nearing the sitter, Peter went up to pray on the housetop around noon. Then he became hungry and wanted to eat. But while they were preparing something, he went into a visionary state. So Peter's on the roof waiting to, be, waiting to eat, and he goes into this visionary state. He saw heaven open and an object that resembled a large sheet coming down, being lowered by its four corners to the earth. In it were all the four-footed animals and reptiles of the earth and the birds of the sky. That's what he saw in his vision. Then a voice said to him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Now, all of this stuff is coming down in front of Peter in his vision. All the stuff that he, as a Jew, is not supposed to be eaten. And then his voice says, get up, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter said, no, Lord, Peter said, 
For I have never eaten anything common and ritually unclean. Peter said, Lord, I'm a Jew. You know, I never ate none of that stuff. He said, I ain't never had a pork chop in my life. He said, and you're telling me to rise. He said, he told God, no. God said, get up and eat, Peter. He said, no. He said, I've never eaten any of that stuff. I'm one of your people. Remember, Lord, why are you tempting me? What are you doing? Again, a second time, a voice said to him, God said, what God has made clean, Peter, you must not call common. This happened three times, and then the object was taken up to heaven. What was going on here? God was showing Peter, listen, Peter. We are not under the old covenant anymore. I'm doing a new thing, Peter. Yeah, you were right to not eat that initially. But now, he said, don't call anything that I have cleansed common. And Peter was going into a Gentile's house, and Gentiles were considered unclean to Jews. So he told him, don't call anything that I have cleansed uncommon. So we're talking about food here, right? First Timothy chapter 4. Now, this is Paul talking about people uh, who are giving certain laws that they shouldn't have been given. And he said, they forbid marriage and demand abstinence from food that God created to be received with gratitude by those who believe and know the truth. He said, they forbid you to marry. They, don't, they tell you not to get married. And they demand abstinence from food that God created to be received with gratitude by those, listen, who believe and know the truth. See, that's the key. Those who believe and know the truth about what God said about the food. He says, for everything created by God is good. Everything created by God is good. Pork is good. Bacon is good. Everything created by God is good. And nothing should be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. Thank God for, for him feeding you. Since it is sanctified by the word of God in prayer. It's set apart by the word of God in prayer. So the point is, food is not the issue. Food is not to be rejected anymore. So that's why Paul said, I'm persuaded by Jesus. All, Paul knew all of this. He said that I can eat whatever I want. But, uh, let me go back to Romans a second. He says, therefore, no, verse, verse 15, do not destroy the one Christ died for by what you eat. What does he mean by that? Do not destroy. Do not mar a person's spiritual well-being. That's what he means by destroy. Scarring that person, marring their spiritual well-being by what you eat. Conscious is the moral faculty of the mind. Our conscious, the moral faculty of the mind. So he says, don't scar somebody's spiritual life over food. Um, I want to read something here. I thought uh, I had a commentary here, which I thought was good. This, this guy uses an analogy here, and I thought it was really good. I want you to listen to this. He said, I liken this to crossing a swinging bridge over a mountain stream, if you can picture this. There are people who can run across a bridge like that, even though it does not have any, any handrails. They are not alarmed by it. They can keep their balance well walking across this bridge. They are not concerned about the swaying of the bridge or the danger of falling into the torrent below. That is dangerous, but they're not concerned about that. That is fine. Some people can do that. He said, but others cannot. You watch them go out on a bridge like that, and they are very uncertain. 
They shake and tremble and they inch along. You see them inching along as bridge because they're, they're scared. They may even get down on their hands and knees and crawl across. But they won't make it if you just give them time. If you let them set their own speed. After a few crossings, they begin to pick up courage and eventually they are able to run right across. But they didn't start out like that. They were scared initially. And you can, you can, you can imagine that. It is like that with these moral questions. Some people just cannot see themselves moving in a certain area that they have been brought up to think is wrong. See, when you've been taught something for so long, it's hard for you to change a lot of times. Even when you see in scripture that you can do it. But if you've been brought up, particularly if you've brought up in a cult, because it's brainwashed, and you come into Christ Jesus and say, okay, you can, you're free to do this now. They're still kind of hesitant. It's like, are you sure? See, because they've been taught all their lives that this is wrong. And sometimes when people, when they come into Christ, they're like that with certain things. Ah, I don't, I don't want to do that. And that's fine. We'll get to that. Some people just cannot see themselves moving in a certain area that they have been brought up to think it's wrong. They have, a difficult, they have difficulty doing so. As in the case of the swinging bridge, it will be cruel for someone who had the freedom to cross boldly to take the arm of someone who was timid and drag them across. Can you imagine somebody doing that? They're trying to cross this bridge, and you're like, what's taking you so long? Hurry up! And you grab it, and you, can you imagine? He said, that would be wrong. To force them to run across. They might even lose their balance and fall off the bridge and suffer injury. Then what? That is what Paul is warning about in verse 15. When he says, For if your brother is hurt by what you eat, you are no longer walking according to love. The issue is love. To love them where they are. Don't try to make them be as strong as you and immature as you. They're not. That's what he's talking about in verse 15. All right. Verse 16. Therefore, do not let your good be slandered. Don't let your good. This liberty of yours, that's a good thing that you have freedom to do that. That's good. He said, but don't let this freedom of yours be slandered. The King James says, don't let your good be evil spoken of. I like that. Don't let it be evil spoken of. This liberty of yours. Don't let it be slandered. That word means blasphemed. It's a damaging accusation against you and Christianity in general. See, because that can cause not only you to be looked at in a funny way, but Christianity in general. You give the gospel a bad name when you do stuff like that. Even though it's a false accusation, still yet, it's an accusation. See, and it's over minor stuff. See, we're not talking about something major. We're talking about food or music or politics or whatever the case may be causing a brother or sister to stumble over secondary issues. That's not, you're not walking in love when you do that. He said, do not let your good be slandered or evil spoken of. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. The kingdom of God ain't about food. It ain't about that. It's not about eating and drinking. He said, but it's about righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's what the kingdom of God is about. The kingdom is not about external things. The things of, the, of value in God's kingdom are spiritual things. 
The things that really matter are spiritual things, not food. Food's important, it's good, but it's not vital. The things in the kingdom that matter are spiritual things. Righteousness, living a righteous life is what matters. So you can say righteousness and the fact that I'm living a righteous life or the fact that Christ's righteousness have been imputed to me, both of them. The kingdom of God is about righteousness in both of those instances. About being righteous, it's about righteousness, it's about peace, being, having a calm and a tranquility, having the peace of God and peace with God. Two different things. You get peace with God in Christ. Once you accept Christ and, and, and repent of your sins, you get peace with God. Then you also need the peace of God, where nothing bothers you to the point where it takes away your tranquility and calmness with God. He said that's what the kingdom is about. Righteousness, peace, and joy. And notice that all of them are in the Holy Spirit. Joy, something that cannot be taken away from you. No matter what's going on around you or outside of you, I have joy on the inside. I have joy, 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 joy. Deep down on the inside, that's an old song we used to sing in church. Joy down on the inside. And joy and happiness are not the same thing. You can be happy because stuff that's happening. You can be happy because of what happened. When that's not happening anymore, you ain't happy no more. <laughs> See, your happiness can be removed, but joy, in spite of what's happening, I still got joy. That's what the kingdom is about. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And verse 18 says, whoever serves Christ in this way, in what way? Through righteousness, peace, and joy, is acceptable to God and approved by men. When you walk in righteousness, peace, and joy, God, God is pleased with you. You are pleasing to God, and you stand out to other people. Those who walk according to righteousness, peace, and joy, other people notice that, non-believers in particular. Uh, yes, Proverbs chapter 3. My son, don't forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commands, for they will bring you many days, a full life, and well-being. Listen to what he said. He said, don't forget my teachings, but let your heart keep my commands, for they will bring many days of full life and well-being. Never let loyalty and faithfulness leave you. Never let loyalty and faithfulness leave you. Tie them around your neck. Write them on the tablets of your heart. Then you will find favor and high regard in the sight of God and man. Did you see that? He said, not only God, but you're going to find favor with man too. When you do all of this, righteousness, peace, and joy. He says, then you will find favor and high regard in the sight of God and man. Acts chapter 2. This is the beginning of the church, when church first started. So those who accepted his message were baptized. After Peter, this is after Peter preached. He said, those who accepted his message were baptized, and that day about 3,000 people were added to them. Wow, 3,000 people got saved in one day. Can you imagine? Wow. 3,000 people in Wilkinsburg getting saved one day? Wow. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. They did all of that. All them people that got saved, they de- they de- it says they devoted themselves to this. They were faithful, loyal, what we just read, faithful and loyal to the apostles' teaching. They were faithful to Scripture, faithful to the Word of God, to the fellowship, They didn't stay home. 
just because they felt like it. They were faithful to get together and gather with the other saints. Faithful to the teaching, the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, communion, and to prayers. They prayed all the time. Faithful in all of those areas. That's a, that's a, listen, if you can find a church to do all of that, you need to join that church. Like Eternal City. <laughs> Faithful to the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, the breaking of bread, and the prayers. That's a good church. It's faithful to all of those things. Then fear came over everyone, and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Fear came over who? Everybody. Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all, as anyone had a need. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple complex and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with a joyful and humble attitude, verse 47, praising God and having favor with all the people, not just the saints, having favor with all the people, everybody in Wilkinsburg. They had favor with the mayor of Wilkinsburg, who was here last Saturday with us. They had favor with all the police in Wilkinsburg. They had favor with all the people, and every day the Lord added to them those who were being saved. See, when we live right, when we, when we be, are the church, when we become the church, it gives us favor with people who are not saved. They may not like our teaching. They may talk about us. But it gives us favor with them. They can't say anything bad about us. When you live according to righteousness, peace, and joy. You know, that church down on our corner, you know, I don't know what it is with them, but, you know, I ain't got nothing bad to say about them, but... I know they are righteous. I do know that. And they all seem to have peace and joy. Every time I talk to one of them, they're always smiling and this is, nothing seems to bother them. I don't know what that is. You know, I don't, I don't believe that whole Jesus thing, but there's something about them, though. <laughs> Can't say nothing bad about us. All right, verse 19. So then, we must pursue what promotes peace and what builds up one another. Do not tear down God's work because of food. Everything is clean, but it is wrong for a man to cause stumbling by what he eats. He said it's wrong to do that. It is a noble thing not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that makes your brother stumble. Listen to what he said. He says, we must pursue what promotes peace. There's that peace again that we were just talking about. He said, we are to pursue that. Let's look at Psalm 34. Who is the man who delights in life, loving a long life to enjoy what is good? Question, who is that man who delights in life, loving a long life to enjoy what is good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from deceitful speech. That's how you do that. You want to delight in life and love a long life and enjoy what's good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceitful speech. He said it's simple. Stop lying. (laughs) Turn away from evil and do what is good. This is real simple. This is self-explanatory. Turn away from evil and do what's good. Seek peace and pursue it. What did he say? We ought to seek and pursue peace. He says in in the Old Testament even, he says, seek peace and pursue it. When you pursue something, you're chasing it. He says, seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. There's that righteous again. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their cry for help. 
The face of the Lord is set against those who do what is evil, to erase all memory of them from the earth. Wow. That's a message in itself. God said, I'm going to erase the memory of every evil person that ever lived. I'm going to erase the memory. But that's not my topic today. Turn away from evil. Do what is good. Seek peace and pursue it. Chase after peace. If you ain't got it, chase after it. God, I need peace. I'm, I, show me where I'm running after it. Pursue it. 2 Timothy 2. Flee from youthful passions and pursue, there it is again, righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Pursue. Chase after. First of all, Flee youthful passions. Run away from that. He says, you flee youthful passions. Flee sexual immorality. Fornication. Run from that and pursue. Instead of running, run from that and run to this. Pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. How? Along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. In other words, hang with the right people. Chase after this with people, with other people who are chasing after that. Run after righteousness, faith, love, and, people, and peace with other people who are running after that. Run up beside them and say, hey, me too. <laughs> Seriously, that's what he said. He said, with, pe- with people. Watch who you had. First Corinthians chapter 15 says, um, don't be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. He says, don't be fooled. Bad company corrupts good morals. Watch who you hang with, young folk, old folk. Don't hang with anybody. You can't hang with anybody as a believer. If they ain't chasing after righteousness, faith, love, and peace, I'll holler every now and then, but we ain't hanging. Because we're, we're, we're running around different, different paths. We're on different paths. If they're chasing unrighteousness, a lack of faith, hate, and confusion, why are you, run, why are you running with them? And, and, and Paul is writing to a young Timothy as a young man. He said, don't let, it, let anybody despise your youth, but this is what you do with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. All right, all right. Uh, one more. First Timothy 10. Everything is permissible. But not everything is helpful. Everything is permissible, but everything is not helpful. Everything is permissible, but not everything builds up. We're supposed to build up. No one should seek his own good, but the good of the other person. Wow. He says, everything is permissible, but not everything is helpful. In other words, just because I can do it doesn't mean I should do it. Just because something is not sin doesn't mean it's okay to do it. Let me say that again. Just because something is not sin doesn't mean it's okay to do it. Some things you need to abstain from just because it just ain't good. He said, everything is permissible, I'm, I'm free, but everything ain't helpful. How is this going to benefit me by doing this? Whatever it is, pick something. Say, if I do this, it ain't sin, but is it going to be beneficial to me at all? Is it going to be beneficial to my brother, sister, or people around me? What's the point? Some things are just pointless, and I don't need to do it. There's no point in doing this. It's nothing sinful. It's not even necessarily harmful. Some things are just unwise. It's just not wise to do this, even though I'm free to do it. 
Not everything builds up. We are supposed to build each other up, the Bible says, in our most holy faith. Everything doesn't build up. Is this going to build you up if I do this? Is this going to build you up, my brother, my sister? Is this going to build you up? Or is it going to help in tearing you down? No one should seek his own good, but the good of the other person. It ain't just about you. It ain't just about you. You got to think about other people. We got to think about other people. Let's go back to uh, Romans. Uh, I'm sorry. Here it is. Pursue what promotes, promotes peace and builds up one another. Build up. Do not tear down God's work because of food. Sometimes we need to be conformed to the other person's weakness for the present moment. Be conformed to their weakness for the present moment, even though you're strong. But be conformed to their weakness for the present moment. Accommodate your walk to theirs, lest they remain weak. Accommodate your walk to theirs. Think about the good of the other person. I'm going to condescend to you, like Jesus condescended to come down to be a human being, to die for us. I'm going to condescend to them, even though I'm strong enough to, I, I can do what I want. I'm strong. They're not. I'm mature. They're not yet. So I'm going to condescend to their weakness. By doing something that they think is wrong, it will tend to lead them along, even though it goes against their conscience. And you don't want to do that. Be sensitive to the reaction of other people. Be sensitive to the reaction of other people. How do other people react to what you do? Be sensitive to that. Your attitude is important. Don't have the attitude of, well, if you ain't strong enough, you ain't mature enough, that's on you. Bad attitude. Be sensitive to their reaction. If they're going to respond a certain way, you're like, okay, why are you responding like that? Okay, if they're going to think something a certain way, but don't do that. Be sensitive to their reaction. Uh, Galatians 5. For you are called to be free, brothers. We're called to be free. For freedom Christ died, the Bible says in, in Galatians 5.1. You are called to be free, brothers. Only don't use this freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. Yeah, I'm free to do that, but don't use it as an opportunity to feed your flesh. Whatever that is, in whatever way that is. He said, don't do that. Use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but serve one another through love. He keeps coming back to that. Sir, I'm supposed to serve you through love and not feed my flesh every chance I get an opportunity to do because I'm, quote, unquote, free in Jesus. Attitude. Attitude. For the entire law is fulfilled in one statement. Love your neighbor as yourself. The law summed up in one. Love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, I want to read verse 15. I'm sorry, I didn't give you verse 15, but I want to read verse 15 um, in this Galatians because I think it's important. Um, 
For you were called to be free, brothers. Only do, do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but serve one another through love. For the entire law is fulfilled in one statement, love your neighbor as yourself. And then verse 15 says, but if you bite and devour one another, watch out, or you will be consumed by one another. He said, if you bite and devour one another, can you imagine Christians biting and devouring each other over minor stuff, over silly stuff? He says that the law is summed up in love your neighbor as yourself. He says, but we can bite and devour one another. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out or you will be consumed by one another. Consumed by this vicious, vicious biting and devouring of each other. Arguing over secondary issues. Well, we can debate, have respectable, humble, loving debate about secondary issues. That's fine. Whether it's, you know, eschatology or, or uh, gifts of the Spirit, whatever it may be, baptism, whatever. Um, but not to the point where we begin to, to bite and devour each other. Because we are to love each other. We can have those debates, and they can be vigorous sometimes, but we walk away in love. Walk away in love. Secondary issues are not divide us, are not, are not to divide us. Uh, where do I want to go? When we cause stumbling, we use our liberties carelessly and selfishly. See, we can be selfish too in causing stumbling. Offending the weaker brother, the strong can thwart the maturing of the weak into wisdom and character. You can stunt their growth in wisdom and character by carelessly using our liberty. Carelessly using our liberty. We need to be seeking mutual peace and mutual edification. Mutual peace, peace for both of us, and mutual edification, edifying each other. The Bible talks about building each other up in our most holy faith. I build you up, you build me up. Mutual edification, mutual peace. I seek your peace, you, you seek mine. That's what we should be doing. Liberty. Now, in liberty... In things that are indifferent, things that we disagree on, whatever it may be, we ought to give each other liberty in that. I give you the freedom to think about whatever it is, food, the music you listen to, who you vote for, you know, the movies you go see. I give you liberty in that. You have freedom to do that. So we have liberty in that. I condescend to the things that you're weak in. I condescend to the things that you're weak in as a brother who loves you. And then we both have zeal in the things of God that we agree on. We have passion and zeal about that. Another way it's been put is um, um, in, 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 in secondary issues, liberty. In, 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 in the primary issues, uh, unity and in all things, charity. In the primary things, the gospel, unity, we ought to be unified in that. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Messiah. Jesus is God. Jesus died for us in the atonement, the Trinity, unity in that. In the primary things, unity. In the secondary things, liberty. I'm not going to judge you for what you eat or on the other thing. Now, I can have an opinion, and I can even think you're wrong about that. 
Because I think holiness, I think holiness affects every area of our life. It should. Now, me personally, it does. I try to, I try to make it affect every. It affects what movies I go see, what TV shows I watch, what music I listen to, where I go. It does. Because I think, now, what I don't want to do is become legalistic in that. And I put my standard on you. That's what I can't do. That's what I'm not to do. I'm about to give you liberty in those things. And in all things, love. Unity in the primary, liberty in second things, and in all things, love. And at the end of the day, I love you. At the end of the day, you love me. Because we're unified, first of all, in the gospel. That seals our love, it should. In the secondary, okay, we give each other liberty. In that. I think you're wrong about that. I disagree, but it's okay. Let's go get something to eat. And in all things, love. We're going to love each other, even in our difference of opinion. Even in our disagreement, we love each other. That's how we're supposed to live. That's how we're supposed to live. All right. Uh, Verse 22 and 23. Do you have a conviction? Keep it to yourself before God. The man who does not condemn himself by what he approves is blessed. But whoever doubts stands condemned if he eats, because this eating is not from a conviction, and everything that is not from a conviction is sin. Wow. He said, do you have a conviction? Is there something that you have a conviction about, a secondary issue? He says, keep it to yourself before God. He said, that's between you and God. Secondary stuff, what are we talking about? Okay, I ain't talking about primary issues. Secondary stuff, the things that we give liberty in. He said, that's between you and God. You can God work that out. Because, and I can, and some things, depending on where people come from, um, some things I may be able to do freely that you may not because of where you come from. Some people who, who came from an alcoholic background, they can't go sit in a bar. They just can't. I can go sit in a bar freely and not even be tempted at all because I was never a drinker. But somebody who God has delivered from alcohol and was an alcoholic, they can't do that. Now, I can't say to this person, what do you mean you can't sit in a bar? I thought you were delivered. I thought you were free. Does that sound like love? So there are some things that I can do that you can't and vice versa. Something that you can do that I say, I don't need to go over there. Because <laughs> if I go over there, be, be sensitive to that. Be mindful of that. So if you have a conviction, keep it to yourself between you and God. The man who does not condemn himself by what he does is, approves is blessed. Don't beat yourself up. He says the man who approves does not condemn himself. See, we can, talk, we can do that, and I'm gonna talk, we're going to talk about that in a minute. The man who does not condemn himself by what he approves is blessed. But whoever doubts stands, stands condemned if he eats. And if you notice, we are not told to surrender our convictions. Paul never said that. He didn't say, give up your convictions for the sake of the other person. He never said that. We are not to surrender our convictions, but we are not to act in a way that injures the faith of another believer. Hold on to your convictions, but don't act in a way that offends them. Something we can carelessly flaunt our liberty and bring judgment on ourselves. Flaunting your liberty. I'm free to do this. I don't know about you, but I'm free. Me and God work this out. Flaunting your liberty. 
that they may not have. See, careless, unloving. Allow others to follow their conscience. Allow other people to follow their conscience. That's love. Allow other people to do that. Don't put on them something that you put on yourself. Well, I don't think that, I, I don't do that. I don't know about you. I don't do that. You shouldn't do that either. I don't do that because, okay, that's between you and God. God didn't tell me I can't do that. See, we can, and sometimes it's because we're mad that we can't do that. And so we don't want you to do it either because I don't want you to do it because I, I can't do it. And I don't want, you shouldn't be doing it either. Why should you have fun? Attitude. Attitude. Everyone should have a standard for their conduct. Conviction is assurance your standard is right. That's your own personal conviction, that your assurance that your standard is right. We need to have the right basis for our judgment and our standard. That's the key. The right basis. Where does that come from? Okay, you should have a standard. That's good. But where does it come from? Does it come from scripture or just your opinion? Everybody should have a standard for their behavior. But where is that standard? What is it based on? Is it based on the Bible, the Word of God, or is it based on the denomination you came out of? Or is it based on what your mama said? Or is it based on what other people are going to think? What is your standard of behavior based on? Is it based on truth or a lie? Because sometimes we can allow other things to influence us and cause us to act and believe a certain way that ain't got nothing to do with the Bible. And sometimes it's family. My family never did that. My family, we just don't do that in my family. Okay, all right, it's fine, but that's your family. Whoever doubts, he says, stands condemned if he eats. When, when in doubt, don't do it. Don't act out of guilt, because when you do that, you're not acting in faith. Don't, if, you, if you have doubt about it, don't do it. Don't act out of guilt, because when you do, you're not acting in faith. Act out of conviction. That's good. If you act out of conviction, that's different than acting out of guilt. There's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Whoever doubts stands condemned if he eats. Why? Because he is eating not from conviction. And everything that is not from conviction is sin. Conscience is, our conscience is like a metal detector. You know, we go through a metal detector, it beeps, you know, uh, and your conscience is like that. When you, when you want to maybe want to do something that maybe your conscience, it starts beeping. Okay, your conscience works like that. Doing something in doubt is sinful because it's not based in faith. That's what he's saying. You know, and I don't care how many other people go through that metal detector and a beeper doesn't go off. If it goes off when you go through, don't do it. Say, yeah, but he went through... That ain't got to do with you. If your beeper goes off, don't do it. Their beeper may never go off. That's between them and God and you and God. We may be convicted, too, by our conscience where no sin is involved. Sometimes we can convict ourselves even when it's not sin. Sometimes, and I've done this, listen, I've done this more than once. We can beat ourselves up, and, and for, some, there are various reasons for that, various reasons for that. We can be too strict or too lenient in our lives sometimes. 
Sometimes we're too strict on ourselves. We're too, because sometimes, again, because of where we come from, we can allow our conscience to beat us up. Uh, last verse, 1 John chapter 3. This is one of my favorite verses. I love this, this scripture. Little children, we must not love with word or speech, but with truth and action. In other words, don't just be all talk. If you say you love me, prove it. <laughs> Take me out and buy me some pizza or something. You know, prove it to me. Prove it, love and action. This is how we know we belong to the truth and will convince our conscience in his presence. Verse 20. Even if our conscience condemns us, that God is greater than our conscience, and he knows all things. Did you hear what he said? He said, even when our conscience condemns us, sometimes our conscience can condemn us for stuff. And like I said, I've been here, beat up over stuff I just thought about doing. I wasn't even doing. Just thought about it. And got convicted. And the devil had me in a corner and was just welling on me, like a boxer. And it wasn't God. He says... This is how we know we belong to the truth and we'll convince our conscience in his presence. Even if our conscience condemns us, God is greater than your conscience and knows all things. We have to trust what God has said and not your own feelings. We cannot trust our feelings all the time, folks. Your feelings can fool you, lead you, beat you up. He says if that happens, God is greater than that. God says, Eddie, I know you don't mean that no, I, I know that's not what you mean. I'm greater than your conscience. I know that's not, I know that's not how you really feel, Justin. I know. I know you're feeling guilty, but I know that's not really what you want to do. I'm greater than your feelings. Don't allow that to condemn you. Remember the cross. Jesus died and paid for that sin. Don't beat yourself up, Crystal. I know how you feel, but listen, I'm greater than that. I'm greater than that. He says, and I know all things. I know you don't mean that. Sometimes you got to go grab this verse and, and just read it to yourself. When my conscience convicts that God is greater than my heart, than my conscience. And he knows all things. God, you know I don't mean that. I thought about it, but I really don't want to do that. That's my flesh talking. I don't want to do that, though, for real. God, I love you. Sometimes you got to talk to yourself, too. Even if our conscience condemns us, and God is greater than our conscience, and he knows all things. Dear friends, if our conscience doesn't condemn us, we have confidence before God. We have confidence before God. The Bible says, come boldly to the throne of grace. Boldly to the throne of grace. To find grace and help in the time of need. We are to focus on, like I said, we can be too strict or too lenient. Now, at the same time, we can be too strict on ourselves, but also be too lenient on ourselves, too. Well, we don't uh, allow the Spirit of God to convict us when something we should feel bad about, we don't. So you'd be too lenient. So, okay, I'm free. I can do No, you need to have a balance. Don't be too strict, but don't be too lenient either where, you know, you let your guard down. Is what don't, don't let your guard down. Because when you let your guard down, the devil sees that, it's like, oh, his guard is down. Don't take advantage of that. Let him that, 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 let him that thinks he stand take heed lest he fall, the Bible says. Don't think you got it all together. I ain't going to fall. Oh, man, I'm good. I've been good all week, man. Shoot, I've been studying and praying. I'm good. Let him that think he stand take heed lest he fall. You let your guard down. 
They was like, oh, okay, all right. They're going to throw something at you, and you're going to fall. And you're going to be like, what happened? Focus on what is objectively true. God's voice is greater than inner accusations. God's voice is greater than inner accusations. You can accuse yourself. I know I'm rotten. God, I know I'm... God's voice is greater than that. God's voice is greater than inner accusations. So, if our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our hearts. Let us walk as we get ready to take communion. Let us walk, brothers and sisters, in love towards one another. When it comes to secondary issues, when it comes to these things that are debatable, that's what we're talking about, things that are debatable to us, let us walk in love. Consider others greater than yourselves, the Bible says. Don't be a, a, a Pharisee. <laughs> you, if, you know, if, if, you, if you read the scripture, you know Pharisees were very uh, hypocritical, condescending, you know, um, always pointing the finger at other people. They were always pointing the finger at, at, the, at the folk, the, the Pharisees, and Jesus had to deal with them all the time. Don't be a Pharisee. Show love. Give grace, liberty, and debatable things. That's what the Bible says. Walk in righteousness, peace, and joy. That's your job. Every man will stand himself before God. Nobody's going to stand before you at the end. And when you stand before God, ain't nobody going to be there but you. Your mama ain't going to be there. Your wife ain't going to be there. Your kid. It's going to be you and Jesus. And he ain't going to ask you nothing about me. He ain't going to ask you nothing about nobody else. You will stand in judgment before God. Therefore, let us not pass judgment on our brother or sister on these debatable matters. And we're going to sing a song and I'll come back and take communion.